Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. How to prepare for the end time. How to prepare for the end time. And we are looking at Noah, this fascinating major character in the Bible who built an ark and survived the flood. And we're looking at him through some fresh eyes, hopefully. And our goal is to learn from him and learn just how to prepare for the end time. Hebrews eleven seven, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. How to prepare for the end time. Let's say a prayer. We'll jump right in. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts. Anoint me to speak, anoint us to hear. May the Holy Spirit convict and convince our hearts, God, of our next steps. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Last week I told you about Edgar C. Wisnett's book entitled 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. I've got a picture of it, but guess what else I have? I got the book. I got the book. It, it was everywhere. This book was everywhere. Church people ate it up. And it was during my rebellious years in Nashville. and The whole thing just made me mad. I got ticked off. I'd gripe at people when they would try to witness to me with this book. And uh, Wisnett was this former NASA engineer turned Bible scholar. And he was so convinced that he had found the key to predicting the day of the rapture, that he actually said, only if the Bible is in error am I wrong. Yeah, he was convinced. Christian television picked up on it. TBN interrupted regular programming all the time to give out special instructions on preparing for the rapture. People, I mean good people, good God-fearing people, borrowed money, maxed out credit cards. I mean, who cares? You're about to be raptured anyway. Cashed in life insurance policies. Who needs life insurance? Quit paying their mortgages, their rent, their utilities, their car notes. Quit their jobs. Went crazy trying to prepare for the end of the world. And you know the story. The rapture did not happen in 1988. So Wisnett wrote more books and continued to issue rapture warnings until 1997. But understandably, people quit listening to him. But he didn't care. He was sitting on the proceeds of book sales in excess of four and a half million copies. The church world made it past 88 reasons and then came Y2K. Little review here. Time magazine jumped right on that. We lived in, in Maryland at the time. We were told that at midnight on January the 1st, 2000, our cars would quit working, our appliances would quit working. Airplanes would fall out of the sky, but the only thing that crashed was Windows 98. But that was nothing new. Windows 98 crashed all the time. But prepping became an industry. Freeze-dried food, it's a thing. I got, I got folks that I know, they've got rooms filled with buckets of freeze-dried food. And if that's you, well, you go ahead and you do you. And if I need anything, I'll, I'll come see you. But 
In this series, I'm going to show you how to really prepare for the end time by looking at the goat, the greatest of all time, Noah. He was the greatest prepper of all time. Ezekiel 14, 14 says that the Lord says, if, if I poured out a famine and I dried up everything and I was about to end the world, there's three guys that would survive. And one of those three guys was Noah. Noah would make it through to the other side. Even the Lord said that about Noah. And we looked at how Noah continued when others quit. When everybody quit building altars, Noah continued to build altars. We have too many altarless Christians and altarless churches in our world today. Whatever happened to altar calls where people respond and pray, hear the word, respond to the word, pray before the Lord, cry, repent, ask the Lord to touch them, ask the Lord to lead them. Why do, not, why do people not want altar calls anymore? There are two altars that we should never lose. First of all, the looking unto Jesus altar, looking at His finished work, the cross. I'm leaning hard on everything that you did, Lord. I'm that kind of altar. But then another altar, take up your cross and follow me. That kind of altar. I lay my life down, Lord, for you. We prefer a Christianity without personal sacrifice and submission and surrender. But we should not quit the altar, I'm telling you. We should continue the altar, whether it fills the room or empties the room. It doesn't matter. We should not have an altarless Christianity. And then we looked at the fact that Noah did more when others did less. Not only did he continue to build altars, but he started building a boat. He was faithful over a few things, and God made him ruler over many. God gave him more things to do. God did not say, well, now that you're building this boat, oh boy, you don't have to build those altars anymore. No, he still had to build altars, and now he also had to build a boat. Peter said, 2 Peter 1.5, that we're to add to our faith, not subtract from it. Especially now, y'all, we're the generation upon whom the ends of the world have come. And we shouldn't be doing less. We should be doing more for the Lord. We shouldn't be trying to see how much I can get away with. We should be saying, God, what else do you, do you want me to do for you? I'll do whatever, even if it looks ridiculous, if it's inconvenient, if it's uncool, if people make fun of me. My prayer is like the prayer of my example. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Are you with me? And so now we get into the third point. Noah... Noah, and we're going to, this is the last point, this is the point for today. Noah did his part, and because of that, God did his part. Noah did his part, so God did his part. Noah believed God, that's why he built altars and kept on building them. Even when everybody else quit building them. He knew if he kept building altars, offering up blood sacrifices, then one day there would be born to the human race what had been called in Genesis, the third chapter, the seed of the woman, this Messiah, 
this curse reverser. And, and it was only through the building of altars and calling on the name of the Lord. It was through faith in the earth, faith in humans that were praying and crying out to God. It was only through that means that God would get into the earth, the Messiah. You have to understand what I'm saying. Had there not been men building altars and calling on the name of the Lord and looking forward to the seed of the woman, there would not have been faith in the earth and there would not have been a virgin Mary to give birth to Jesus Christ. That's what it meant that he built altars and called on the name of the Lord. He was faithful with that old word, with that instruction that goes back to when God killed the animals and covered Adam and Eve in those bloody skins in the garden after the fall. And so he was faithful to build those altars and call on the name of the Lord. And that's when he got a new instruction and Noah's faith went to another level. He started building a boat. And in the same way that he had been faithful to build altars, just like God had instructed, he was faithful to build the boat to God's exact specifications. Just like the Lord said, I need this boat built, but I need it built this way. You may have an idea for a boat, Noah, but we're not going to do it your way. I've got a way that I want this boat built. And this boat, y'all, it was not a catamaran. This boat, y'all, was not a yacht like this big sailboat. This boat was like this gigantic barge. And when I say gigantic, I think I've got pics of this boat, a few of them here. Let's take a look. I'm sorry for some of you about the Alabama graphic. My bad right off the bat. I'm, I'm sorry. But... This ark was enormous, okay? Here you go. Challenger, that starship, SpaceX heavy, Noah's ark. Now, it depends on what a cubit is, but it's 450 to 510 feet. This is the actual life-size ark that's up in Kentucky. I think, Cynthia, you and Julie went and saw that thing. Some of you, you've been to see it. I've never been there. I've been to Dinosaur World in Kentucky, but... I, I never got to the ark. It wasn't there when I was at Dinosaur World. But the ark, it was enormous. 450 to 510 feet long, 75 feet or so wide, 45 feet tall, three levels, one door, one window, gopher wood pitched within and without. And Noah knew that if he would build it just like God commanded, then God would fill it. Uh, with, with the animals and, and God would send the rain and God would, would guide the boat and God would save his family. Noah had his part. It was hammers and nails. It was saws. No power saws. I tell you, he built his own power team. Ham, Sham, and Japheth. They had to be thinking of all the families I could be born in. You kidding me? We're going out to cut logs again today? Hey, but a hundred years later, they're like of all families to be born in. Woo! Come on now. Your kids may not understand why you do what you do and why you drag them to church, but if you'll keep dragging them to church one day, they'll look back and say, I'm thankful my mom and dad drug me to church. It kept me off of drugs and alcohol and out of jail. Changed my life. Hallelujah. 
So here they were. Here they were, this family. And Noah understood if I can build it just like he said. Not only was he to build it just like was said, he was to supply it with food. He had to put the feed in there for the animals and for his family for a year. And here's what's cool. As I mentioned in the dedication, Noah knew that if he would continue to build altars and build the boat, that he would one day have that family to save. His boys would also have wives. All he had to do was keep building altars, start building that boat, and, and, and he, he would have boys, and they would have wives. And here's the cool thing, if you take a deeper dive into this. Eventually, through one of those boys would come that seed of the woman, that Messiah, that Savior, that Savior, who would undo all that Adam lost in the fall and reverse the curse. In other words, Noah knew if I'll build this boat and save my kids and grandkids, one day one of those grandkids of mine is going to save me. Are you with me? And that's exactly what happened. Listen to this from the book of Luke chapter, chapter 3. Now Jesus himself. How many of you know that's the seed of the woman? That's Messiah. Jesus himself began his ministry about 30 years of age. The son of Joseph. The son of Halle. The son of Mathat. The son of Levi. Excuse me as I butcher these names. The son of Malchi. The son of Janna. The son of Joseph. The son of Mattathiah, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Maoth, the son of Mattathiah, the son of Samia, the son of Joseph, the son of Judah, the son of Joannes, the son of Resa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Nera, are you with me? The son of Melchi, the son of Adi, the son of Kosum, the son of Elmodam, the son of Ur, the son of, I would say Jose, right? The son of Eleazar, the son of Joram, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonah, the son of Elkiam, Melia, Menon, Mattathah, Nathan, David, Jesse, Obed, Boaz, Salmon, Nashon, Aminadab, Ram, Hezron, Perez, son of Judah, son of Jacob, Isaac, Abraham, Terah, Nahor, son of Sarah, son of Ru, son of Peleg, son of Ebor, son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahaliel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Come on now. The son of Shem. He didn't know which one it would be. But he said, one of my boys is going to have a kid. And one of those kids is going to have a kid. One of those kids is going to have a kid. One of those kids is going to have a kid. And, and that kid is going to have a kid. And there's going to be a Joseph. And there's going to be a Mary. And there's going to be a Jesus the Christ. Who will be the Messiah. Who will undo. He will be the second Adam. The last Adam. Who will undo everything the first one blew. Yeah. Come on.
Come on, now give the Lord some praise right now. I'm telling you, God has it under control. When you think things are falling apart, they're actually falling into place. God knows how to get everything just where it ought to be. And all that Noah had to do was do his part, and he knew God will do the rest. If you'll do your part, God will do the rest. He'll do the rest. Let, let me preach to you just for a minute. If you'll do your part, God will do his. He's faithful. He's true to his word. He's a promise keeper. You can count on him. And, and the question is, can he count on you? Will you do your part? What are you holding back on? What are you holding out on? Let me encourage you. Don't hold back. Don't hold out. You need to go all in. You need to let it all go. Hey, Naaman, dip seven times. Don't just dip once or twice. Go down seven times and go ahead and get your healing. Hey, widow at Zarephath, don't neglect to cook that little, that little pancake for the prophet. You go ahead and give that. You just lay that out there. Don't hold anything back because if you'll do your part, God will do you his part. He'll, he'll make sure the barrel never stops and never runs out. Hey, Naaman, you'll come out that seventh time with a newborn baby's kind of skin. He'll heal you of that leprosy. If you'll do your part, God will do his part. Where have you robbed me? With the tithe and with the offering. If you'll do your part... Here's my tithe. Here's my offering. He'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you can't even contain. Hey, your part is to lay hands on the sick. If you'll lay hands on the sick, the Lord will make sure that they recover. He'll heal the sick. You let him worry about that. If you'll anoint with oil, the Lord said, and the Lord will raise them up. If you'll do your part, God will do his part. What have you done? What is he asking you to do? You have to trust him. Yet you just have to trust him. You got to go all in. You got to let it all go. You've got to trust him. When you're holding on, you're not really trusting him. When God told Noah to get in the boat, Noah did his part. It was a stellar step of faith. He just had to put one step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, and walk that gangplank and get on that boat. That's all he had to do. But man, that was a big word. He was totally depending on the Lord for everything else. We have a tendency to think of Noah as the captain of the ark. The captain of the ark. Like, like he was the skipper and Mrs. Noah was the first mate. But the truth is, Noah was not the captain of the ark. I got a, I got a little something, something in my office that's pretty cool. This is a sextant. Any of you know what this is? This is an old maritime tool right here. This predates smartphones. And those old captains would be out there. And they're, they're, they're looking. They're trying to find the sun and the horizon. And they're, and they're adjusting their sextant. And they, they do stuff like this. Just the weirdest contraption. that ship just where it needs to go Noah was not using a sextant wasn't following the stars he wasn't barking out orders to his helmsman right five degrees rudder left eight degrees rudder steady as she goes there was no helmsman 
There was no rudder. They, they didn't have a steering wheel. They didn't have any kind of rudder. This was a giant barge, a big box. No tugboat back there pushing the thing along. Just a bit. It looked like a coffin. And in a sense, it was. They were dying to the old. Come on now. And about to be born into the new. This was leaving the old world behind and, and coming up in a new world. I, I, I love this idea. No helmsman. No rudder, totally depending on the Spirit of God to get he and his family through the water and to the other side. James 2.20 says, faith without works is dead. And I'm coming to a close here. But the builders still had to, uh, in, 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 in Psalm 127, listen to this. Psalm 127 says that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that, that build it. We read it. If... if the watchman is watching, uh, but, but the Lord doesn't guard the city. Then he's wasting his time. But at the same time, though, faith without works is dead. The builders still have to put their mud boots on. The watchers for the city, they still need to get the binoculars out. They, they need to look. And so Noah was building. He was doing what he was supposed to do. And God did what he was supposed to do. I got a word for somebody. And you hear what I'm saying. I don't want to overplay this card, but I, I feel this in my spirit. Some of you have overthought this. It's not that complicated, and I want to challenge you today. You believe in Jesus, but you've never been water baptized in Jesus' name. You need to add to your faith. You need to go down in the water in Jesus' name, that water grave. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, I mean, speaking in tongues. Can I say it like that? Is that it? Can I get any more plain? Fill with the Holy Ghost and, until you're flowing over and speaking in a language you didn't learn. Then you got to understand, you need to add to your faith. You need to go there. There's a connection between water and spirit. Even way back there in Genesis. Listen to what Peter says in 3.18 of his second epistle. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water, there is also an antitype, which now saves us, baptism. In other words, this is a picture. Baptism. Not the removal of filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And He was made alive by the Spirit. So here you have baptism and you have the Spirit. Can you see that? Water and Spirit. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus also said to Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water... I'm not the only one who has this gospel and this, this, this doctrine. People look at me sometimes cross-eyed like, what's wrong with you pushing people to be water baptized and filled with the Spirit speaking in tongues? The idea of John 3, 5 being a water baptism and a filling of the Spirit, that's, if you went through catechism, y'all, that's a Catholic theology that's right up in line with Scripture. Scripture. 
water, and spirit. Anybody that's born ever naturally, you're born through water, and then they pat your bum, right? And you, you start sucking the air, right? You start breathing. And that's how it is. Anybody born of the Spirit, you're going to go down in the water and you're going to come up breathing in the Spirit. It's a connection even way back there in the book of Genesis. The first church preached that kind of response to the gospel. Repent and then add to your faith water baptism and being filled with the Spirit. Now i got a full disclosure here. Your baptism, to me, is not a notch in my baptism belt. I do not have a baptism belt, for the record, right? Nor do I have a belt that I put notches in for baptism. Like, wow, we got another one. But I'll tell you this, if you've never been water baptized in Jesus' name, you're already a notch in the devil's belt. If we can keep this individual from being baptized in the name that is above every name that one day even I, the devil, would say, am going to bow my knee before. If I can keep them from being buried in that name, then they're a notch in my belt. And I would say this, Luther, Martin Luther, that is, when all hell was breaking out against him, when, when he was struggling and, and, and the whole world was crashing in on him, I love what he would say. This is a quote from Martin Luther. He would say, Devil! I still have my baptism. You may have taken some stuff from me. I may have lost some stuff. But you hear what I'm saying, devil. I still have my baptism. And I would say this. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. And and my God, you don't hear enough about this in churches anymore. Speaking in tongues. Then this preacher, I'm not going to be satisfied until you go there. And again, you're not a notch in my Holy Ghost belt. I don't have a Holy Ghost belt. I'm not trying to, to, to mark you up. But what I'm saying is if you believe in Jesus and you've never been filled with the Spirit to that extent, then you're a notch in the devil's belt because there's power available to you that you have never received. Jesus promised it. This, he said that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. God has always used water and Spirit in the creation And in the process of recreating, back there in Genesis, water was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God hovered hovered over the deep. In Genesis 8, during the flood, the Bible says the Spirit moved on the water and started to move on and with Noah. I promise you, God wants to take you from just a nominal faith into an active faith. If you'll do your part, I promise you the Lord will do His part. Can you stand with me right now? In John 3, 5, when Jesus spoke of this new birth, He said this at the very beginning. He said, Verily, verily, that's King James, other translations, truly, truly. It was this redundancy. He was reiterating the point. I'm telling you something. Listen to me. As a preacher, I get that. I'm like, are you with me? You know, I say stuff like that. I'm like, you've got to hear this. I'm going to tell you something. That's what he was saying. I'm going to tell you something. Unless one is born of water in the Spirit, you can't see the kingdom. 
We want the kingdom of God to come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You need to be born again of water and spirit. You've got to go there. It's the last days. Judgment is coming, not of water over the earth. He said, I'm going to come with fire this next time. There is a judgment coming. The Antichrist is going to be revealed. This world's going to go to hell in a handbasket. But there's some of us that are in an ark of safety. We've been carried along. We're going to another world. You can be born again of water and spirit. You've got to go there. Yeah, I have to. I'm not trying to win a theological argument. I'm just saying common sense. Look at that first church. This is what they did. Who am I to declare anything less? Especially now. Nevertheless, do more. I'm going to lean hard on that finished work of Christ. That ark was a coffin. It was. It was a casket. You crawled up in there and you died. That's what Paul would say of baptism. As many of you as were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into His death. You were crucified with Him. So you can be raised to walk in a newness of life. Some of you need to remember your baptism. Can I say that? Some of you, you have been baptized, but you've discounted the effectiveness of that baptism. It not only has an effect on the world to come, it has an effect on you right here and right now. I'm baptized for the remission of my sins. Devil, you don't have a hold on me. This flesh, this world, it doesn't have a hold on me. I'm slave to a new master. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. He'll carry me across one day when I die or the rapture takes place. But until then, I am to live as a king, to live in victory in Jesus' name. I died to self. Devil, I have my baptism. I got my, we give out certificates. Some of you need to go hunt that thing down. Hold it up. I got my certificate, devil. I've been baptized. See this? I've been baptized. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you close your eyes and bow your heads with me right now? Father, I thank you for your word. God, who are we that you are mindful of us, that you consider us, that you think of us? And God, we want to be people who build altars and don't quit. And God, when you call us to do more, we don't want to do less. We want to do more. And we want to follow through. We want to do our part because we know if we'll do our part, you'll do yours. I want to be faithful over the few things. You can give me more to do, I'll do it. And the more I sow, the more I'm going to reap, Lord. The more opportunity I'm giving you to move into my life, into my situations, into my difficulties, Lord into my trials and tribulations and struggles, Lord, and weaknesses. I'm open up those doors through my faithfulness to your word. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.